enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together on a computer some way, and we talk about a different movie in the horror genre from your well-known classics down to that rare gem that like to be called evil (laughs) on the back of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are going to talk about the 1980 holiday classic new year's (laughs) evil tim are you looking forward to the new year oh man am i ever (laughs) i i what a what a what a what a hot question (laughs) yeah digging deep there um no but i'm I'm glad that you asked that though because i was literally literally just yesterday i was driving and i was thinking about it and i'm like you know i have a lot of passions in life i have a lot of activities that I like to do, you know, theater, uh, combat sports, all that stuff. But literally my favorite feeling on the planet is being in a room full of people who are having fun and laughing and having a great time. And, and sometimes that's my kids, you know, and we're Mm -hmm. laughing and just being goofy as hell or, or friends of my own age. Um, (laughs) but literally like I, I miss that, it's almost like I don't even realize my brain won't let won't let me realize how much I miss that. Because if you really sit and think about how long it's been since you've been just hanging out, it doesn't have to be a huge group, you know, five, six people just laughing and everybody's in a good mood like this year should have. I don't know when it will start, but should have much, much more of that. Yes. (laughs) Theoretically. And so I just will be so excited when that gets here. Yeah. I had a similar thought uh, not too recently. Uh, And it was because New Year's Eve is coming up. And I remember last New Year's, uh, we all went down to the Franklin house. It was a great time. And I remember being like, until they stop doing this, this is where I will be every New Year's Eve. <laughs> and then the next New Year's Eve, no, you will not be there. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, damn, like I was, I didn't realize how much I was looking forward to that night. Because um, that is a good time. And I, you know, I as I've gotten older, I haven't enjoyed uh, social gatherings as much as I used to. But that was one I was really looking forward to. And the reality of... Where any other year I would be like, oh, New Year's Eve, I'm just staying home alone. Cool. And now I'm like, oh, damn it. Yeah, you're right. That that particular get together that you're referencing um, for years, I had wanted to go to that and it was by invite only. And I I didn't go to that establishment as much as as some other folks. So um, and it is kind of, a uh, you know, on to, in their defense, it's they only allow so many people for a reason yeah, to keep it intimate. Awesome. And, and it's super, super great. So finally last year is my first year to go. And I agree with you that that night rules. And I'm like, I too am going to come (laughs) here every new year's. And then the very next year it's gone again. So here I am back to square one. It'll only make the next one 
yeah. that much better. It's so great though, that night, because it's like, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I wouldn't I, just some sort of like innate humility in me wouldn't allow me to take full advantage because, you know, you pay a set amount before you attend. And when you attend, you can order whatever you want from yeah. the bar. It's so, hard for people to wrap their head around where you're like, yeah, all food and drink are paid for. Yeah. Oh, so they have like a limited menu. No, the whole fucking menu is right. available. Anything you want has already covered and they provide you a limo ride home. Exactly. It's a perfect setup. And I like for the first like three drinks, I was just getting the normal like uh, like regular domestic beer that I would normally drink or whatever. And then finally, somebody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why don't you go up there and order something for real? So I, I literally went up to the bar and I'm like, can I have 12 shots of fireball? <laughs> and they're like, here you go. And then they gave me a fucking platter of fireball. I could, I could yeah. have said anything I wanted to. Yeah. You could have I'd said, like, can I have 12 bottles of fireball? Yeah. They're like, please just open them one at a time, but sure. Can I have a human adrenal gland? Um, please. <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Right. Fresh out of my own body. They put here that in go. the ramen. Yeah. I wasn't really using it anyway. Here you go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah I'm so miss that that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super great. And now 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 this is fun. Then we're gonna make this fun real quick here because we're gonna wager a little bit. And I'd love to hear from our audience uh, with their wagers. Some of you might be more informed than others. It's okay if it's just a wild guess. For a second, let's just assume that we all have a shared opinion of what equals normal. Okay, so normal to me, as far as societal hangouts, would be like. You know, you could go to a play and sit shoulder to shoulder with people and nobody has masks on. OK, sure. That's that's kind of whatever. Just picture life before COVID. That's right. normal. Yeah. OK, I'd be wary. So how. Right. <laughs> so during what month of 2021 do you think will be the first month. And granted, there will be months that are much better than where we're at right now leading up to this. Sure. But I'm talking full on normal. What month do you say? That's hard to say. And I uh, hate to be the pessimist, uh, but my pessimism has got me through this year with realistic expectations. <laughs> um, I don't know if we'll have that next year. We will definitely have people who think it's okay. Um I think next year is going to be a struggle because people will hear, oh, vaccine, cool, everything's back to normal. And like precautions are out the window, you know, but we will still have a grace period where we still need to take precautions. If there is one, yeah, maybe very late in the year. I think 2021 will, or 2022 will be a little more what we'd consider normal. 2021 is going to be a rough transition. Well, let's let, let me make it a little bit easier then. <laughs> Still masks, but full capacity allowed. Do you oh, see that happening next um, year? Yes, maybe not full capacity, but a larger capacity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some combo of the both, either full capacity with masks or not without masks. I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to throw a guess out there. I am going to say that it's going to something close, as close as we can get to that normal without it being wide open. I'm going to say, I'm going to be cautious as well. I'm going to say 
Oh, what's after July? Uh, let's August? go with let's go with August. I'm I'm going to be it's a little optimistic, a little pessimistic at the same time, because I know some people like you're right. Like they're going to think like, wow, I already know people getting vaccines, like literally as we record this. Yeah. So why wouldn't everything be normal? By I mean, like I already feel it. I'm super cautious and I'm already like once I get that vaccine, eh, fuck it. You know, I'm, am I really going to be that careful? You know, <laughs> right. Like it's well, I'm I'm sick of it even. So it's going to be hard for people who don't give a fuck. Right. And maybe maybe that's all we need right now is just if it's not normal tomorrow, just to have a little light at the end of the tunnel to right. say, like, we, we got the, this vaccine in, in an amazingly fast amount of time, like we're taking steps forward as opposed to backward, um, at least big picture. Yeah. So. And the yeah, the, as you said, the speed of the vaccine uh, was definitely a surprise because i thought we were getting it early to mid next year i was like because that when this all started that's where they're like making a vaccine that could take 18 months and you're like shit so yeah, yeah to get it within like nine is pretty impressive and i think i don't know a lot of the specifics on it but i know rna was involved um which is kind of never really been done before as far as making a vaccine so this actually might have pushed us into furthering our you know Vaccine technology and opening new doors to maybe it'll be easier to get vaccines out quicker in the future now because of this, because we were put to this test. So human ingenuity. Yay, humans. Yes. Yeah, it was all worth it. But anyway, Um, you know what, Tim? I'm fucking I don't want to talk about this virus anymore. Let's talk about New Year's (laughs) Evil, which is this week's episode. So it's from 1980. It was written and directed by Emmett Alston. Uh, produced by Canon Films, which I don't think we've covered a Canon film yet, have we? Oh, um, Return of the Living Dead? No. I know that we did. I know, could, yeah, No, we did. We, we did one very early. Because like, we talked about Canon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. But it's been a while since we've done a Canon film. Yes. Um, and this stars Roz Kelly as Blaze and Kip Nevin as Evil. I could find no info on its budget or box office. <laughs> Me so either. It, uh, it exists. We know that. Um, apparently people are free. There's, there is a podcast I listen to where they only do Canon films. So I listened to this Ooh. episode and they were talking about the box art and how scary it is. And a, like this movie to me, for some reason just has, like when you suggested it, I'm like, what the fuck is that movie? Like watching the trailers for it and none of it popped out. The box art did not look familiar to me at all. It's just kind of like a guy with a knife coming out of a calendar, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how off-putting it is. I'm like, this looks like the most benign <laughs> box art I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. So this movie to me was A, a surprise and B, a real treat. I love this is. movie. We talk a lot about um, different venues, uh, just at home, and and when you're when you're watching movies and how to watch them and what's the best environment. Like this is right up there with that category of have some friends over, you know, get out some drinks or whatever you like, do whatever you like to do, and just sit back and laugh your ass off. Like it's it's not so bad. I recently watched a, a horror movie that was so bad uh, uh that i just literally could not keep watching it it was so it was the quality was 
It's called Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to what, like how it. How old so. is this movie? It's new. It's like oh. two. It's like two years old. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, this will be awesome. And it's literally, it feels like people just picked up like a camcorder and said, hey, let's make a movie today, and you be this person, and I'll be that. Nah. But like, it is. It's beyond. Like, I love camp. Like, I love. It's everything that I want. Like, I love camp, and I love blood, and I love camp and blood at camp. Like everything, <laughs> everything about it is perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, so awful. But this movie is um, competent enough in its filming that it, it doesn't f- disrupt the enjoyment of whatever the hell is happening on screen. And yeah. it is goofy and fun as hell. Yeah. And thankfully, because I after you mentioned, I watched the trailer and I was just like, this movie looks bananas. But I, but watching the trailer, I was like, oh, is this going to be one of those things where all these things I'm seeing in the trailer are like red herrings or like not how they're portrayed in the trailer? No, they were like everything that was in the trailer was everything I wanted. Like um, it, what I kind of liked about this movie was uh, there wasn't any mystery in it. It was just kind of one of those like, race against the clocks like you know the stakes you know who's involved they try to make some mystery which i feel misses completely on the mark um like if they just avoided trying to do that i think this would have been even better but i I still enjoyed it despite all its i mean it's got some flaws it's got some flaws (laughs) it drags a little in some spots but uh I mean, when I say drag, they're literally feet shuffling. Yes. <laughs> during some of these dances, a lot of extended dance. I don't, well, I shouldn't say extended, just there are a lot of where they will just cut to people dancing, you know? Right, right. And uh, musical interludes, I guess we'll say. And even like there's so much of that that you can even like see the dancers getting a little tired. Yeah. There is (laughs) no joy left in their face. The body movement (laughs) and face expression does not match at all. Yes. Yeah. No. um, No, you mentioned that it's a, it it is a Canon movie and that, that always fucking rules because it's, I think it's for for our listeners. I just want to say real quick. um, If you don't really follow film a whole lot, the idea of getting excited over a production company (laughs) might not really make sense to you. But that's because I think people envision them as like um, (laughs) like a like a science fiction movie, like a tribunal, like a long table and like six people sitting up there like (laughs) the film shall be made. Uh, But it's it's not that it's like it's Golan Globus are these uh, who are, you know, connected to canon um they're just two cousins two israeli dudes with some money and they like to make low budget movies and turn a profit yeah because they uh, bought canon and then we're like their business model was we make cheap movies but they really they some it was just one of those lightning in a bottle things where they tapped into this need in the 80s for like b-level action movies like they made uh, Chuck Norris, a star, uh, you know, he got like two or three franchises out of them. Tons of ninja movies, tons of ninja movies, like any movie where you're just like, where you'll see it and go. Now that looks like a cheesy eighties movie. Odds are that's a Canon film. Oh yeah. And I love it. <laughs> but I love then they it. had some like 
hit like Runaway Train. That was Oscar nominated film. Yeah. Which I watched as a child. Like I remember my dad letting us rent that in fifth. I was in fifth grade and I watched Runaway Train. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's got like John Voight and uh, uh, Eric Roberts. <laughs> and they're like escape convicts. And the only thing I remember as a kid, just being like, they say the F word a lot in this movie. Like that's really <laughs> all I remember. But apparently like, and then growing up and then learning again, like, oh, that movie was like well-regarded and nominated for Academy Awards. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's canon. Canon's a, they're just yeah, like they, this icon. It's iconic for a decade. Yeah, they are. And they, the director who you mentioned, um, very few credits to his name. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot. Uh, one of them is, <laughs> speaking of ninjas, he did Nine Deaths of the Ninja, which is uh, it's kind of famous for being as awful as it is, even though it stars um, one of my childhood favorites, uh, Sho Koshigi, uh, which was kind of like he was like the main ninja guy. He was in like Pray for Death and um, like all these great ninja movies. Um, but that movie, let's put it this way. It, it opens with a stage and more freaking like dry ice smoke than you could imagine and women in like leotards doing this sort of like interpretive dance and like an 80s like kind of smooth dusty song like (laughs) kind of like and then a shirtless japanese man just uh swinging a sword around and that's as much sense as that movie makes from there it's just what's that one called nine deaths of the ninja okay (laughs) So check that one out. Wow. But um, but yeah, so we got a director here who, uh, you know, not a lot of credits to his name, but um, does a fine job with this, I think. Yeah, I um, I think in our last episode, I talked about kind of how uninspired the directing was and watching this, I was like, ah, OK, here at least like it looks like there are choices being made. Yeah. Um, some interesting shots, nothing too over the top where you're like, that's iconic, but. Just uh, just some good, I think, uh, thought and creativity went into it. Yeah, and and it takes a kind of a, well, for the time period, it takes a kind of gutsy choice to um, center a movie around new wave music, which for those who, well, I'll wait to get into that. Uh, do you want to do Nansa? All right, let's do Nansa. Yeah. I should also say this movie did not pass the Bechdel Walls test. It got close but it doesn't. Oh, they're kind of taught. There's two women talking about a show, but then they switch into talking about the woman's husband. So doesn't, I think, I think it's a whole conversation. I don't know. I'm going to say it doesn't pass it, but whatever. Uh, All right. Here's Nansom. It's new year's Eve and Diane blaze Sullivan is hosting a coast to coast music and dancing celebration televised live from Los Angeles. Everyone's having fun until blaze gets a mysterious call from evil. Claiming he will kill someone every hour on the hour as the new year sweeps throughout the country. Now it's a race against time as the clock inches closer to midnight and the killer inches closer to blaze. And why can't anyone get in touch with her husband? I don't know. It's definitely not him. It's definitely not him. Yeah, (laughs) man. You can see that coming from a mile. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, because they don't, we should say here, they just, they like, they don't really conceal the killer. They do at his very first introduction when he makes the phone call, 
Because she's hosting this, it is it's kind of like a uh, American, you know, a rockin' New Year's Eve, Dick, whatever his name. Who was that guy? Dick Clark. Dick Clark, thank you. I was going to say Dick Cavett. <laughs> <laughs> very different vibe. Yeah, very uh, less rocking. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of a slow, chill New Year's Eve. <laughs> right. With Dick Cavett. Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, she's got bands playing. There's some sort of like, I don't really understand the bank of, telephone calls that they're getting just people calling in being like i'm having fun on new year's eve oh they're I'm, voting they're voting for their number one uh new wave song of the year okay that was it thank you i could not remember what the point of the phone calls were um but yeah she gets a phone call from this evil guy and we don't see his face but then like the next scene they reveal his face so yeah. you know who the killer is through the whole movie this movie felt to me almost like it had the stylings of almost a TV movie that they mm-hmm. were just then like, let's make this a little bloodier. Yes. Cause it just kind of had that formulaic of, you know who the killer is. You kind of know what he's doing. Like there were no like real big surprises as it came out. Things seem very um, just step-by-step. Step. Yeah. And no, I, I, and you're right. It's a specific feeling. Like we could try to cite, like certain things but it's just a a feeling that you get of what a tv movie feels like i don't know how to say it but you're exactly right it feels that way a hundred percent and it's not to say that it's bad i mean there's some things that are that kind of got on my nerves like i i've never seen more kneeling blocking but by for those who don't know blocking being like the movement of the actors within a scene i've never seen like there's that scene where blaze is you know so traumatized by these phone calls that she's sitting down and these two guys are just kneeling next door having a full conversation and it's like will somebody just stand up please like a normal person would you know but yeah. i didn't notice that but yes as you pointed out yes that that was kind of weird yeah but um but no it it moves fine enough and um you're right i think oh man i think they must have really bought into their own idea of concealing the killer's true identity. So I like the idea of saying like, Hey, let's just show our killer's face, but the audience isn't going to know who the true killer is, except for the fact that we very obviously do. Because when you have a character that's, you know, mentioned repeatedly, but never around, could it be them? (laughs) Could it be? Yeah. But there are some, oh man, there are, uh, some weird, very weird things. I think they t- really tried to um, push the red herring thing where, um, you know, they set you up for, oh, maybe it's this guy or maybe it's that guy. And there are some very, very strange scenes with the sun, Blaze's son, that yeah. we have got to talk about because they've got some major explaining to do for yeah. that. Well, our first, let's say our first kill, our kind of our cold open kill is this woman named Yvonne who we learn works with Blaze. Blaze is doing this TV show. And so, you know, Blaze calls Yvonne and then Yvonne is killed in her hotel room uh, by an un, we don't see the killer. He's hiding in the shower. Um, So yeah, so now we're, we get our great title sequence of as punks are prone to do cram into a car there are eight people in this fucking car tim like i if i get in a car and there are two other people i feel like i have to cram myself as far over to the side as i can but i don't understand how you fit eight people in a car 
I guess you can't fit eight people my size in a car. Maybe that's it. But just watching, and it's it's fine for the back because you kind of have, if they're in a convertible, you got kind of a place to sit. One guy's got his leg literally hanging out of the car, but how they get four people in the front seat where the driver can comfortably drive, I don't understand how that works. And the way that they're they're acting with each other, it's just like, it's kind of like whoever was writing the scene. It was like a group of people like in their like 50s or 60s. Like, I have heard of punks. Uh, let's yeah. go around a circle and tell me what you have heard that punks do. And one of them says, uh, exaggerated facial expressions. And the next one says, they're rough with each other and they grab each other and wrestle around and laugh. And, and it was so they've got this extended scene. You're right. Of this car packed with punks. Just doing, I guess, what they thought punks did. Yeah. Yelling at other cars. They're unruly. There's just a lot of like grab ass going around and yeah, like your hands to yourself for a minute. I'm pretty sure like if a carload of punks was going to a concert, they'd just drive there. Like they just (laughs) go there. Like they wouldn't make a spectacle of it. No, these are definite movie punks. Yes. They're trying so hard to be badass. Uh, it, this introduces my favorite character in the movie who is only in it for this long, but it's they pull up to the venue and this poor cop, <laughs> they just like come up or in his face and all he can be is like, tickets, you need your tickets, please. Tickets, I need your tickets, please. Which I'm pretty sure they just looped his line a couple times. Like they recorded <laughs> him once, but he just, he looks so like, I don't want to deal with these fucking people. I hate being here right now. But without the acting emotion, you know, it's almost like a natural look. It's kind of it's almost as if the director, like maybe whoever was supposed to play that part, dropped out and they had to like hold this guy by gunpoint to get him to say the lines. And he's just like got a gun in his back and he's tickets, please tick. Tickets, please. <laughs> like he's so like nervous and uncomfortable. It's so funny to yeah. watch. But they're going it. to Blaze's show. Um and so we see Blaze backstage, and this is where we're introduced to her son, who looks weird. He's got a very weird look. <laughs> depending on the angle, he looks almost completely different, like depending yeah. on the camera. Because when he first walks in, I'm just like, whoa, this dude looks weird. But then a couple angles, you're like, oh, attractive 80s guy. Okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> movie. But like, there's just a couple angles where you're like, this dude looks like an alien. Um, but he's kind of introduced as, you know, there's obviously this dynamic where the mom is a very successful TV personality and doesn't have time for her family. Like that's kind of the basis of what they're doing. And then the son's trying to tell her about, he got a job in a, you know, he's got cast in a TV pilot, like the sci-fi, a sci-fi pilot, and, but she's too focused on her show. Right. So now, yeah. So throughout the movie, you, they're trying to play up, like maybe the son is involved in this. Like there's a scene I don't, I don't feel bad jumping ahead here because it's kind of a nothing. But there's a scene later where he's, you know, waiting in her hotel room or whatever for her. And he's like talking to himself and putting this nylon stocking over his face. And then he like pierces his ear with this giant needle. And then he's kind of creeping around backstage. But nothing of that ever. I shouldn't say nothing, but that is not played out at all very well i mean no. he does kind of come in at the end but it still feels disjointed from all of that 
Oh no, I'm I'm glad you jumped to that because that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. That scene. Okay, so the you're right. The setup, all of it makes sense with him being sort of ignored and you know, his mom not really taking notice of his accomplishments and yada yada. All of that setup is fine. And it's even a successful enough setup to say like, oh, maybe he could be the killer because he's he's so traumatized that his mother won't pay attention to him. So he's going to get his revenge or something. All of that making just perfect sense. Then there's a scene where and he they takes, show the killer. Yeah. <laughs> then you <laughs> right, see right. all the killings and no, it can't be him. Right. And there's a scene, though, where the son like takes three pills of something. <laughs> yes, I you forgot know? about the pills. And I'm like, is he going to overdose? Because three pills is short of cyanide. Like three pills isn't going to do anything. Yeah. Or maybe well, just, I'm thinking those were, you know, we he just wants to get high. I think yeah. they were quaaludes. Yeah. I'm like, my, because yeah. my kid's like, what are those red pills? I'm like, I think they're quaaludes, which were a huge deal. You can't get those anymore. Yeah, but man, like growing up as a kid, that's all you heard people were fucked up on was quaaludes. Well, they said it earlier in the movie. Oh, the do one, they? Oh, I missed the that. One okay. lady, the one lady even says, um, oh, what does she say? Like, uh, um, oh, I had it written down. She's like, uh, like, why don't you stop being so uptight and take a lewd or whatever? Like uh, something like that. Oh so, my God, a lewd. I thought she said a load. Like she was telling him <laughs> to go take a shit. Because <laughs> yeah, she says that to her manager. No, she's not somebody from Pennsylvania telling him to take a load. Take, like, take a lewd. Take a lewd. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Okay. That yeah, makes so a take- lot more, because I was like, this movie is bananas. So, but you're right though. Like, so he takes these pills, but he does this thing where he pulls this nylon over his face, which by the way, talk about things that they don't do anymore. Like remember when every robber in every movie <laughs> yes. had the nylon over his face, <laughs> yes. um, but he like pulls these nylons over his face and you're right. He, he pierces his ear and the guy is basically like, we're watching him lose his mind. Yeah. And he even like goes, like you said, to the like backstage area and then the next time we see him, he's fine. He's just, yeah, all that shit's off and he's just sitting in the hotel room. He got it out of his system, you know, whatever it was that he was doing, um, he's done. Yeah. So kind of weird. Well, that's the son. Like, we don't really need, yeah. even need to talk about him anymore because this is all about evil. Now, I say it that way <laughs> because uh, this is so unintentionally hilarious. I don't know if they meant it to be hilarious, but so she, you know, she's getting these calls uh, at her little, at her music thing. And so she gets a call and it's a guy and he's talking very weird and we see him in the phone booth and now he's got like this voice manipulator, which is, I've never used a voice manipulator. I don't, I've never really seen one, but in 1980, apparently the way they worked was you jammed like a metal rod into your mouth uh, and then talked and it altered it somehow. I don't, I don't really know the specifics of how this worked, but he, and I, I get it. He's, you know, as we find out, he's the husband, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, so he has to disguise his voice, but he's also talking in this weird, overblown, like overemphasized, like, tonight I will kill someone at midnight. Like, just talk like that. You don't even need the voice manipulator. If I talk like that on the phone, I don't think my wife would know it was me. Um, it- yeah, if the voice manipulator is doing its job, you could just talk normally. <laughs> you just talk normal. Yeah. But it was almost but yeah, like and then he's, he's like, you can call me 
evil. <laughs> it's a huge pause and just the drawn out evil. And Which is iconic in, in my sense, like. Oh God. And I, I'll, I'll answer your question or, or just uh, like give my thoughts on it. I don't think that they were trying to be funny. I just think it's that fucking <laughs> yeah, bad. It's supposed to sound menacing, but. Oh my God. It is so, it is so hilarious, unintentionally hilarious. You almost feel guilty watching it, but it's so <laughs> yeah. funny. Oh my God. And so his plan now is to kill. So- cause, cause they're doing this coast to coast, uh, New Year's Eve event, you know, and she's even like calling it because they're in Los Angeles. So she's like, New York, are you with me? Chicago, are you with me? Aspen, are you with me? Like (laughs) a real indicator of there's fucking fuck all in the mountain time zone area to where you got to go to Aspen, I guess. (laughs) Like Texas doesn't exist. I don't know. Is any of Texas? I don't even know what's technically in. I could say for sure. Colorado, the state is in the mountain time zone. Yes, that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and then to leading up to Los Angeles. So the plan now is at every stroke of midnight, this guy's going to kill someone. I don't ever, really, he doesn't really say like, I'm working my way to you. I think they just kind of assume it because he's calling her. Well, yeah, and it's it's kind of an interesting concept, I guess. Like uh, I had a, a friend mention, like, wouldn't it be more interesting if like it was a little bit more of a, a broader conspiracy and the person had some somebody like accomplices or whatever, like killing somebody actually in those separate time zones? Right. But, but the thing is, they're like, no, we'll just for convenience, he'll just kill everybody here. But just do it at midnight. So each of the time zones can appreciate it. You right. Know? And. It's, Without jumping like when too you call far. your, yeah, when you ahead, call your fr- it's like when you call your friends on the East Coast at eleven o'clock to wish them, you know, a happy New Year's. Right. You know, yeah, it's it's eleven o'clock here Central Time, but but you call them, you know, and it's it's basically that, but with killing people. Yeah, but it would be like if I called you at eleven o'clock and wish you happy New Year. Like, <laughs> right. Not here yet, right? Yeah. Right. Um, also, without jumping too far ahead, we find out later, like. These kills are not really planned out. He is just like fucking yeah. by the seat of his pants, finding victims to where he's like, I'm under a time constraint here. God damn it. I've got to let's go. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, wouldn't you plan that out a little bit better? Yeah. And, and it's especially that first one, that first setup, which, okay. So he goes to the, the, the first kill is at the, um, are we kind of, the, the first one is counted as the mental institution, right? Yes. With the nurse. Okay. Yes. So he That's goes, the first New Year's evil kill. Right. So we find he, out he has killed Yvonne earlier, which again is like why it's out of the plan. It yeah. just seems like a very odd kill just to have one. Right. Um, but I will say Yvonne looks like remarkably modern, like compared to everybody else. Like she looks like she could just walk into a movie like right now in 2020. Like Yvonne <laughs> yes. looks great. Yes. It's too bad she doesn't have a bigger part. But um, so he his first kill, you know, he goes, you're in a, a mental institution, which you're kind of wondering now. It, I guess it all makes sense when you're you get to the end of the film, but you're kind of wondering, like, why would he pick this place as his first kill? Um, but you don't you just kind of go with it. Yeah. Um, but meets a nurse there. He dresses as a doctor, meets a nurse, and um, they just decide within the first 10 minutes of meeting each other that they're going to hang out and bang. 
Like, yeah. Just, well, yeah, he's got some booze. He's like, it's New Year's. They sent me over here. I'm here to fill in with someone. But, uh, you know, you look good and I've got champagne. Can we go somewhere? And she's like, I yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I was just coming out into the hall to check on something, but my plans are open now. <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, you would think that he would have put a little bit more thought into well, truthfully, the logistics of this of this plan, like traveling from here to there, having enough time to kill somebody. But you're right. It, it, at least he probably gave himself ample time for that first kill. But the second kill, it, he's just absolutely running that clock down to the last second. Yeah, because the first kill happened. Oh, and we should say he is he records them, too. He records his kills so that when he calls Blaze back, he can play the proof. Like you hear the countdown and then you hear stabby stab noises. And because uh, he's got this great switchblade, which they do earlier on when the punks show up uh, to my favorite cop. They put a switchblade in his face and open it up and uh, they've been to Wright's Barnyard. It's the comb, the switch comb. <laughs> they had 10 tickets. They turned it in the switch comb. Uh, and um, but yeah, he's got this switchblade. That's kind of his uh, uh, weapon, his uh, iconic weapon, which is not that iconic. But I, in 1980, holy shit, switchblades were huge. Like yeah, what, a, are what cool. a technology advancement technological advancement in weaponry was the switchblade yeah they were they were illegal in our state for the longest time um i don't know if they still are but i know that there was a store where i bought one <laughs> um, and it's like a full-on giant switch start with an f and end in an etlas <laughs> surprisingly no that's where oh. i buy my blowguns <laughs> but um <laughs> No, it was an antique shop in Crown Point that's no longer in business, but they had a whole display of gorgeous, like mother of pearl, like beautiful. Some of them are wood grain, gorgeous, giant, legit switchblades. They were awesome. Wow. Maybe that's how they got away with it. They were like, these are, this is art. Yeah. These are, these are antiques. Antique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, as you said, the second kill is he, Rolls up first, he puts on this mustache, which could not look faker. And, like he looks like the cop. If you if anyone has seen the first sleepaway camp, there's a cop at the end of that, which they do a close-up, and you're like, This mustache is the fakest mustache I've ever seen in film. And that's what our that's what evil puts on. And he goes into a bar. Now he is an attractive man. He is that iconic 80s, like devilishly handsome guy. Yeah, kind of sharp, sharp features, yeah. thin lips, uh, stick straight hair, slightly feathered. Bruce Jenner. Like, just picture Bruce Jenner. Exactly. Yes. Um, and he meets a woman and, you know, and he's like, uh, they just kind of hit it off. And he's like, ah, you know, I'm only here. I just came in for a drink, but I'm going to go. But if you want to come with me, that'd be that'd be cool. And she like comes out with her friend you know, and she's like, you don't expect me. I'm just going to go somewhere with a stranger. Right. So the two of them cram into his car and this, I love this scene. Cause it's like, they're driving. He knows he's got something he's got to, you know, he's already like ah, the thing I've got to do. I have to do it. Like in the next three minutes, he's <laughs> the, the one woman is just chattering nonstop. And her friend is just like, doesn't want to be there. I'm sure it was like, 
don't go with this guy. And she's like, please just come with me. And so she's like, just fucking being dragged along. Like, this is not how she wanted her night to go. She left the bar. You know, it's nine o'clock in LA. I, you know how they got him out of the bar. He he dropped the celebrity's name that he said he was on his way to Eric oh, Estrada's house. Right, Eric Estrada's house. You drop, you drop Eric Estrada in 1980 and they'll do any goddamn thing. You want. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. I forgot it was Eric Estrada. So, yeah, he <laughs> says he's in town. He's got a meeting with Eric Estrada on New Year's <laughs> Eve, of course. Um, yeah, and the ladies come with him and... And again, here's kind of one of those things where it's like, it feels inconsistent. You kind of wish he had more of a plan because they pull up to a liquor store. He like sends the silent friend in to get liquor. And while she's inside, he kills the the first woman. And now, so then, so when, when, when the silent one comes out, his car is gone. And you just kind of expect that to be the end of it, right? but it's not. So she's like kind of walking around the alley and sees this piece of cloth hanging out of this dumpster. So she goes over, lifts the dumpster up. There's this insane shot where he's like crouching in the dumpster and flicks on this lighter. And it's just like, (laughs) and then pulls her into the dumpster. Do we see him kill the, the first the, the other, the chatty girl? Oh, oh, you bet you do. Okay. Now blanking. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in. Um, so first of all, just real quick, let's just say as they're driving in the car headed to the liquor store, the one friend is just rambling on about how <laughs> she got to L.A. and she, you know, would get stressed out. But she tried some transcendental meditation and then she did some like uh, like regressive hypnotherapy or whatever. She's yeah. listing off all Classic these like California talk. Yeah, just like neo psychology, whatever the the trend is. And then when she gets to the final item on the list of things that she's been doing, she just says. And now I write haikus. <laughs> the, the, the word in the script was haikus. But she says, and now I write haikus. <laughs> How nobody caught that? Right. Do you, do, do you write haikus about your ficus? She said something about the friend and her like diarrhea, right? Oh yeah. And then she throws her <laughs> friend under the bus by saying like, like I've got, she's saying I've got all these problems and I've done all these things. Um, but yeah, I've done transcendental meditation and it really helped my friend here with her nervous diarrhea. <laughs> like actually says it as that. Yeah. So that when what's really weird is <laughs> when they pull up to the liquor store, it's almost as if the killer like is sensitive to her nervous diarrhea where he's like, I want you to go in and go to the John and then get a bottle of the best champagne. Right. Like, why does he, he why does he, ta- he tells her to go to the bathroom. But then in answer to your question, don't use this liquor store bathroom. He pulls out a bag of weed, which apparently you have like a quarter of weed in like a giant freezer bag back in 1980. Apparently, yeah, this is a like a gallon size bag (laughs) and he's got like a quarter in there. Yeah, well, but there's there's nothing in it, though. There's weed in there. there? You could see weed in the. Okay, I couldn't see it. Um. Okay, well, that makes more sense. But yeah, he's like, I've got this, smell it. That's right. And then he puts the bag over her head. That's right. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, as he's pulling out this bag, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. 
but I didn't see the weed in it. So that that's good. I thought he just had like an empty bag that he's like, here. <laughs> yeah, no. So she died just smelling those nugs. Yeah, she's like, probably euphoric when she passed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hungry but, as hell. But yeah, but so he does that. And then, but you're right. When he goes to hide in the dumpster, it's like, who's got the time for this? Like you're on a schedule, dude. Right. Like, Clock's already ticking on the next victim. Right. Um, and she doesn't count, but he just throws it in there for fun. Yeah, that, that that was weird, but it was, and that was one of those shots in the trailer where I was like, oh, this is not good. This is like a goof or something. Uh, Cause the guy looks so weird in the, in the dumpster. I'm like, this is a red herring part. Nope, not. It wasn't. He pulls her in and kills her in there for some reason. And right. then he calls blaze again. And he, like, he's letting the cops know where the bodies are. Like, he's like, follow my trail, please. Right. And the, and of course, what, what do the cops say? Because it's an eighties movie. They're going to try to trace the call. <laughs> Cause every remember the, the fucking technology of call tracing in the right. 80s was going to fix it all. Like, we're, we're going to trace the call. Yeah. Keep them on the line. Um, boy, man, they did a lot of call tracing back then. Yeah. Um, so now he's he's on his way to his third kill. And I kind of love this part because so now he's like dressed up as a as a priest. Right. He's got the white collar on. Um and like this bike gang pulls up next to him, a roving Los Angeles bike gang. <laughs> and, you know, one's like taunting him like, hey, father, fuck you, like flipping him off and everything. Um, and he's but he's so preoccupied in his car that he ends up hitting one of these guys on the bike. <laughs> so now these bikers are chasing him. And for a moment, I'm like, get away. You got to get away. <laughs> you've got people to kill. You got a whole thing to do tonight. So it's this weird, like you're hoping the killer avoids this bike gang that's after him now. And And you see, Oh yeah, go Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and then you see a scene where later on, he runs into uh, a motorcycle, like crashes into a motorcycle with nobody on it, but it's this red motorcycle. Nobody's on it, but the split second before the car hits all of a sudden, it switches to a motorcycle with like no pain on it. Like just, just like a, a parts bike like this. So yeah, the thing me, shatters too. You're telling me that he knocked the paint off the bike. <laughs> like that's, that's impressive. But yeah. Yeah. Cause the bikers, he goes to the Van Nuys drive-in to hide. And so now all the bikers are kind of coming through again. He has, no plan about who he's going to kill because he just finds someone at the drive-in and like takes their car essentially and is like okay now i'm gonna kill you and i love this girl the girl yeah thankfully gets away but she pigtails i love yes she's super cute she's just like (laughs) at the movies getting high you know she doesn't even want to mess around she's just there to get high um (laughs) and so now when evil's like driving her around like it's this so it's it's so sad but i think so well done where she's just like you know kind of begging but not even in this over the top begging just like almost like she's just trying to reason with them you know or and and she's just like we can like you know i'll i'll put out for you if you want i won't even struggle or you know (laughs) like just please don't kill me um but she ends up getting away because he runs into like two random guys out celebrating 
who like block him on the road. Like he stops for these guys. And then she runs out of the car and evil goes to chase her and the cops show up. Yeah. In in like two seconds. Like he's like, she's right. He knows where she is. Like, why don't you just get down to business and get in there and start, you know, stabbing her or something. But he's just like waiting to like pounce on her. And then like immediately a cop is there and he bolts and then she, she gets away. Yeah. Which then does he kill anyone that time then? I don't think he gets a victim then. Uh, no. Yeah, no, I don't he, think so. He doesn't. But um, and, and meanwhile, while all this is happening, so evil's out there doing his thing and and killing people by the clock. There are, you know, we get these shots back at the uh, the countdown show of what apparently and I, I'm not going to bore you with I, I'm a huge new wave fan. OK, I actually like new wave music a lot and punk music. And this whole movie is is kind of like centered on like. There's this new wave show host and she's the one doing this and we're going to have new wave bands and new wave music, but it's really more just like straight ahead seventies glam rock. Like there's nothing really new wave about it at all. No, but what's funny is we get these crowd scenes where, you know, people, the same 20 people are dancing on the dance floor and there's the most adorable, like, like prototype of stage diving where there's not even anybody to catch them. Oh, they're just kind of jumping. This guy's jumping off the stage, you know, just into nothing. You know, but just land, there, land. It's at least an, a a creative shot where like the shots from the floor up and they're like jumping over the yeah. camera. Like at least there was some creativity in there. But yeah, you're right. It's these <laughs> weird. And I think I said it before, like you can hear the shuffling of the feet. Like right. it's almost louder than the music itself. It's so weird. And they are, they're just kind of doing this. They're moshing. Half-ass mosh, yeah. Yeah, it's like an early moshing. Yeah, they're just kind of bumping into each other, but without enthusiasm. Like they were moshing later, they're like, what if we're excited about doing this? (laughs) Now now it's fun. Yeah, way back when, before moshing was a term, we we called it like uh, slam dancing or pogoing. Like, and it was was a little less aggressive and just kind of moving around on each other. Um, But uh, they get that part, right? Like they're just kind of, you know, just like this early moshing thing, like we're describing. But yeah, that that cute stage diving with nobody there to catch him. I just thought that was great. Yeah, that was funny. But yeah, the music in it is uh, pretty bad. It's pretty <laughs> nondescript, like hair metal kind of sounding, as you said. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of New Wave. Our, while our movie tastes are pretty similar, our Venn diagram of music tastes <laughs> just don't even intersect ever, I no. think. Um, but what, what's funny is now shortly after where we're at, what, what, in what we've been describing in the action, we get this character that kind of shows up out of nowhere and he's the psychologist and this guy, like they ask him what's like, you know, kind of described to us, like, what's it, what is this killer thinking? Like, what should we be looking out for? And the dude gives this like really weird delivery, which is basically just like a movie trailer. He's like, (laughs) it began. He had thoughts of punishment and revenge on his enemies. And when he really talks like that, you're like, yeah, why don't you just talk to them? Like, why are you saying it like that? (laughs) Um, But, you know, he will return to the (laughs) where it all began. It's so weird. Um, but, you know, he imparts his wisdom to uh, to Blaze, who it's it's kind of speaking of adorable. 
you know, yes, I'm sure that it's kind of traumatic. You're hosting this TV show. You're getting these calls from this person who says they're going to kill somebody. But they're like so sensitive around her. Like, what can I get you? What can I do for you? Like, how can I make you comfortable? Like, it's, I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, But they just keep it going. But she is also like kind of a huge star. So it's, you know. There is yeah, kind of true. that celebrity, like, let's make sure the stars come yeah, no matter true. what, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I do agree. It is kind of a, like, they are almost realized this might be a personal thing before it's ever revealed that it's a personal thing. You know, they're already it, foreshadowing, like, there's a lot of significance going on here, everyone. Don't worry, you know. Even though they're the last ones to know, and we all know that it's a personal thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, they're being very, very protective. Um. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is with the son, uh, go, jumping back to the son, he does say he's like, "I've been trying to get a hold of dad," or to like have him calling, and you, it's just busy. But it's revealed later they have been in contact, so it's, I, it's another one of those things. Like, what the fuck is the son doing in this movie? Yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of jumped ahead. I forgot about some other stuff in there, so that really didn't make a lot of sense. I'll come back to that in a little bit. <laughs> Because we should say, so now the third act of this movie is all at the hotel. They pretty much like where they're filming the special. They've like shut down the hotel. They're like, no one can get in. No one can get out. There is a, you know, three people have died in Los Angeles tonight. And uh, we're pretty sure they're all connected. Um, So like he does manage to get into the hotel. I love he like calls a cop over the cops guarding the door. And he's like, I found a drunk over here. And the cop rushes over to arrest him or beat him up or whatever. He knocks that cop out and steals his uniform and then heads over to the door. The cop was guarding. And already there's like a new cop there, like right. Guarding the door. Who's just like, Oh, you're in a police officer's uniform. Come on in. And let me make a quick point that he does take that officer's clothes in uniform after he knocks him out. Strangely, that officer was about six inches shorter than him (laughs) and about a hundred pounds heavier, but it just fits him like a glove. Yeah, I guess if you, you know, stretch it out, then it tapers down. But yeah, because he even like smooths it out like, damn, this fits perfectly. (laughs) Right. Um, So now we get almost, uh, so there's this, and and here's a scene where I'm like, I can't believe I'd never heard of this movie because this scene or this, this shot seems so uh, unique because she, so blazes up in uh, her, she takes these long breaks from taping her live show to like go back up to her hotel room and chill out for a little bit while the bands play, I guess. And so we see the son in there and he leaves. So she's alone, <coughs> excuse me. And now you see someone step out of the shadows, right? And it pans up and they're wearing the weirdest fucking mask I've ever seen that looks, I'm sure, unintentionally creepy. I just found out from you that it was a Laurel mask from Laurel and Hardy, right? Yes. Stan Laurel. It's a Stan Laurel mask. (laughs) But the way the mask looks, it almost has like this like like little side eye smirk to it. Like super weird mask that looks creepy and he... He's approaching her with the switchblade and she turns around and is like, oh, my God. And he just takes off the mask and it's evil. He's like, hey, honey. She's like, oh, my God, you made it. So like, boom, tension gone. Um, and and now it's just this weird. This is where I kind of was losing 
interest because now it's just there's like nothing really happens but so much happens you know what i'm saying no right like there's a whole scene in that fucking elevator that lasts like 20 fucking minutes yeah and let's just mention real quick when he gets into the hotel somehow one of two very just implausible things happen it's one thing that happens, but I can't figure out which one doesn't make, I mean, which one makes less sense. They both do. He's walking around. He's looking for another costume to change into out of the cop costume. And he just finds this trunk, this trunk that's just sitting there like a storage trunk or whatever, like you'd put old clothes in or something like a chest. And he opened like it, like it, like he planted it there, but he just, he, so it's it's in the middle of the hall. So he either planted it there to start with, or he's just like, oh, I wonder if there's a bunch of costumes in this trunk that I've never seen before. And oh, there are. So neither one of them makes sense, but. Which is conveniently under the giant electrical panel that controls the elevator. Yeah. He's got this whole system of like. Like he's an old like um, telephone operator. Like he's just swapping out wires, jamming screwdrivers into breakers, which then raises and lowers the elevator. Apparently a master electrician. Master electrician. <laughs> that we didn't know about, but. He is a hacker before that was like, yes. like computers were barely a thing then. So yeah. you had to hack electric panels. Yeah, right. Yeah, if he had a computer to hack, he'd hack it. But yeah, he's just working with what he's got, you know. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's that whole elevator scene. And um, so he's finally confronting her. And then now we get our explanation of the fact that he just has a complete distrust of women. He thinks that women have always been against him. He tells her that he talked to their son, which is apparently... When he talked to their son is when he got him out of his uh, nylons over the head pierced ear phase <laughs> that lasted all of 15 minutes. But apparently talked. Wait, to do you think that's the- when they talked? Because I. Yeah, I think oh, so. OK, because he because it seems like his motivation was him talking to his son and how the wife and how Blaze treats him. Yeah. He might have been like, son, why do you have these pantyhose on your head? And when did you pierce your ear like that? Um, and then the son said, well, dad, I got a, you know, a spot on whatever it was called Starship America or whatever the name was. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, uh, but See, anyway. I think they had that conversation earlier. And that's oh, okay. what okay. started this oh, night. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Because well, yeah, this whole thing is like, our son got this part without he got it on his own he didn't use your name as you know you're prone to do in hollywood it's about who you know um you know he got the part on his own and she didn't give a shit now also i gotta say like you if 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 someone in your life you have to like respect their job i guess i get i i get it like when they show her in this movie she is not very like attentive to the family she's doing a fucking live show right now like (laughs) if i would like if i'm in a play my fucking family doesn't come backstage to talk to me and you know (laughs) tell me their problems off limits right then i'm at work i'm at work now i'm sure yes i'm sure as there's a part of like she is an ego and a star and it's probably like that outside of it but all we see is she's acting that way at work which i totally respect and i hate them for bringing their fucking drama to her when she's doing a live show right yeah it's like if you're like 
If you were doing a play, your family would know that that play doesn't go on forever. Like it's going to end and then they can talk to you about whatever they want. Yeah. And she's doing a New Year's Eve show. It's pretty obvious when the show ends. Right. She could have been like a a lot of a lot of um, articles about this movie will say how unlikable of a character she is and how she doesn't care about her family. And and why would they serve up a, a protagonist that's so just so unlikable? But you're right. It's like. She's she's working. She's at work. <laughs> yeah. Like that's she could have been a lot meaner and been like, I'm doing a live show here. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I, 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 <laughs> right. I, I've got something to do, you know, like I don't have time for this or something. Yeah. Yes, she is aloof, but I get it. Like, she's just aloof. That's all you see. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, you don't think that she doesn't love her son or something like that. Like, it's it's kind of weird that way. But yeah. yeah, so so, you know, the husband is is unloading on her and then. I don't know. I don't know if we missed something there or something was cut out, but there's mention of the fact that like all of the murders, like that the women had their breasts mutilated. Yes, I was going to bring that up. We don't see any of that. We never see that. That's never like then brought back up like, oh, he's got a thing about this or what. Yeah, it's just like the the, the breasts were mutilated like the other victims. Like there were like one other victim. That's not enough for a pattern, really. Right. Um, but yeah, you don't see any like there's no indication like that there he's doing like he's focused on the breasts or anything. Yeah. He I seems think, more focused on recording it. Right. I think that 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 breast line was probably in the script. And then when they started shooting the movie, they kind of just forgot that they had to work that in. <laughs> right. Like it just, or yeah. it was just a bit much like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to really see that. That's just like sexual mutilation. Like that's right. not scary. It's just, but you're right. None, none of the, none of the victims even have it. Like, um, you know, even the, the one victim that he strangles and he kind of sets, her, <laughs> it's really hilarious. How remember he sets her out like on a playground and then the, these two bumbling cops <laughs> yeah. go there and then they see something over by the slide and perfect timing. Here comes the nervous <laughs> diarrhea girl just coming down the slide, you yeah. know, that is hell, but breasts perfectly intact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, also he, uh, so during this elevator scene, as he, he's able to manipulate the elevator up and down, he handcuffs Blaze to the bottom of the elevator and he's going to bring it all the way up and then bring it down. So she gets crushed by it. Right. Yeah. So when he brings it all the way up, that's when she sees Yvonne's head yeah. <laughs> that he's now stashed inside the elevator shaft. Right. So yeah, again, nothing with her breasts. Uh, <laughs> he cut her head off with a switchblade. I bet that took forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, For a guy that's on a tight schedule. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that happens. That's probably less than an hour from when Yvonne dies yeah. to, to to the first midnight strike. Who's got the time? I mean, this guy, like who can get around L.A. that quickly on a, right. a New Year's Eve? It takes 10 minutes to go one mile in that city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but and I also love how then all of a sudden there are people in the elevator like when when did these people get on? Yeah. They're acting their asses off. So it's like, whoa, I'm in a crazy elevator. <laughs> uh they get up to the roof somehow, right? And he I'm like really uh foggy on how this movie ended now. Right, yeah. So ultimately she Blaze does not die in the elevator. Right. And they go up to the roof and then out of fucking nowhere he starts quoting Shakespeare. 
And just for no good reason, like we don't know that this guy has any interest in acting or theater or Shakespeare or anything of that nature, but he starts quoting Hamlet and um, then uh, jumps off the roof, which I guess was that his, is that his fourth victim that I guess himself? Cause he does say someone that, you know, is going to die tonight. Or, oh, well, yeah. no, it would be her. She, she was the intended fourth victim. Yeah. But, but then, yeah, he, then he kills himself. Then he kills himself. And then the son is not happy about that Mm-mm. because, you know, he's, you know, dad's got his back. And the last thing that we see is when the ambulance takes off, that it's actually her son driving. And now he is put on the freak ass Laurel mask, right. uh, which we can't get enough of that mask. I'm no, sure. Every time I wish that had been in it more because then right. at least that would have then made sense. Like maybe there's something with the mat or the, at least the mask is a bridge. But no, it's just kind of. He's just wearing the mask now, that son. But he was already crazy. That's the other thing. I'm just like, yeah. I don't feel anything about the son. The son is just such a weird, out of place. Underdeveloped. Character. Underdeveloped. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem. I mean, it could have been something, but that's part. I think they dropped the ball on the son. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also just kind of thrown in there. Like we know that there's this guy out there killing people. Um, I can't remember if it's when we know that she knows that it's her husband. I can't remember if it's before or after that. But at some point, they just happened to throw out that uh, her husband used to be in a mental institution. Now, before that, it was always just that he was kind of absent, like, oh, he's not going to come to the show. He's doing business in Bel Air or wherever he is. Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Yeah. He's already having fun. Like Yvonne's already talked to him. It looks like he's already started. So. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, is the mental institution he goes to, was that the one he was in? Yes. So that's that's why apparently he goes to that mental institution, which that which makes sense then. But yeah, nothing else then makes sense. No, like he no. did that. And he was like, OK, what else have I done? Um, Oh, man, I've been here so long. I guess <laughs> I went to a bar before. All right, I'll go to a bar. <laughs> right, right. Like, I mean, like even just picking the mental institution, like where should my first victim be? Like, well, I, I know my way around the mental institution pretty well. Right. I'll just go over there. Or at least lead it like it's leading to the mental institution or something. Yeah. But to start there, you just peak and now you've got nowhere to go. So in, in summary, <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously you are best off to watch this movie with um, the only expectation being pretty much uh, unintended hilarity and goofiness. Um, there is a sort of plot to follow, but like we said, it, it's got some holes. Um, so you're best off just to watch it for the goofy acting, the the fun silliness, the the sort of datedness of it. But um, I'm kind of surprised, like you were saying earlier in in this episode, that you had heard nothing about this movie. I ne- knew next to nothing about the movie, just a little bit, but I'm surprised that this isn't, doesn't have a higher cult status like, yeah. because it's so goofy and it's quotable as hell. There are probably 10 hilarious one-liners that happen in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, we, um, I, I don't know why it's not, it's not like it's competing against a bunch of other new year's <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah. I, I, don't I, don't, know. I don't know why it doesn't have uh, just didn't have any legs. This is just yeah. weird, but everyone knows Hellraiser. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so Good for beat them. the shit out of Hellraiser. <laughs> 
I love that that's our thing now. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to own it. We're going to own it. Yeah. The, the horror podcast that is anti Hellraiser. <laughs> like that takes some balls. Uh, all right. Well, all right. That was, uh, that's really about it. That's all I really have to say. <laughs> yeah, about I, I, you know, this, it's really, honestly, I had fun. I had fun talking about this movie. I had a lot of fun just watching it and mm-hmm. writing my notes down just because that that's really what this movie is, is meant to be how it's meant to be handled. Just watch it and laugh your ass watch off it and, and take notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do what I did. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, it is, it's uh it's goofy. There's stuff that doesn't make sense, which is a little bothersome, but it's to be expected in a movie like this. Um, but yeah, it's just the whole the thing, this voice thing on the phone is just oh fun to do. Like just just to talk like this. <laughs> right. Email. Yeah. And I I mean, how stuck in your head is I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've just walked around the house going, it's no yes, evil. <laughs> yeah, it's got a catchy theme song. That's for yeah, sure. It does, it does. Um all right, cool. Well, yeah. that was New Year's <laughs> Evil from 1980. Um, please, uh, oh, yeah, uh, all our social stuff, you know, Instagram is Slumber Podcast Massacre. Our email is slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash slumberpodcastmassacre. Huge thank you to our patrons uh, for uh, supporting us. Uh, got some good things coming, I feel, that we're going to use our patron money for. Uh, yeah, no more vacations. We're going to spend it on stuff for the show, so. We can't go anywhere. Uh, anyway, join us uh, next week. Hey, everyone. It's me, Andy. Hey, I'm just jumping in here real quick um, over our reveal of what next week's episode was is because we actually changed it. Uh, we were going to do something, which we eventually will do. Um, but I was kind of thinking uh, 2020 kind of suck balls and really like to have some fun and january is nicholas cage's birthday so we were like hey uh it would be kind of fun because nick cage does a lot of fun horror movies let's do a month of nick cage movies so that's what we're gonna do uh so uh what i do want to say is uh, coming up next is uh we're gonna do the wicker man uh his uh remake of the wicker man and 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 the plan is to go from bad and then get better so uh wicker man is the worst one we're doing i promise um And we got a lot of really great ones. If you've listened to the show, I'm sure you can guess which one we're going to end on. Uh, We're really excited about this. And then we'll uh, get back to what we had regularly uh, scheduled for the show after January. So that's it. Uh, Back to the regular rambling. Okay. So, yeah, that'll be next week. I'm excited about it. Tim, you got anything else to say about New Year's evil? Well, speaking of increased technology, if anybody can out there, any listeners can make a voice modulator that sounds like the cigar smoking cousin in uh, Christmas Vacation, that would be great. Please, please do it. Because <laughs> that's exactly. The blessing. <laughs> 
Clark, I'm evil. Dude, it is. <laughs> oh, what is that guy's name? I don't know. That guy passed. That guy's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he does. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's it. Uh, Timmy, happy new year. And I can't, I hope next year uh, we will be uh, shit faced at the Franklin House. <laughs> It can't get much worse, can it? No. I mean, I mean, it's it can only get better. Sky's the limit. Yeah. All right, Timmy. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. New Year's Eve. <laughs>